Matthew eleven twelve says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Hello, and welcome back to Think This Way. This is the podcast of Faith Bible Church, and I am one of the pastor elders here. My name is Bryce. Today, I have with me our great brother, Dan. Dan, thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. And I do pick these episodes somewhat thinking about which of the elders do I most want to hear talk about this. And this is one where I thought, storming heaven, that has to be a Dan Gelock episode. Oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> Violence, fervor, <Wow>. zeal, <laughs> godliness. That's Dan. I mean, not that the other elders don't have that. We all have some of that, but this is one we needed you on, Dan. So I'm looking forward to hearing from you on this. I mean, just listening to this verse that Jesus spoke in Matthew 11 from the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom has suffered violence, the violent take it by force. We're not going to get into some intense exegesis on that verse because there's some question of all that's meant there. But that has been taken by godly people throughout history, including Thomas Watson, has a great little treatise on it to be a picture of how we should boldly approach the throne of grace, which is what we're talking about today. So today, we are not focused so much on when God answers yes and when God answers no. We're going to talk about that the next couple weeks in prayer, but we're focused on, regardless the answer, what our attitude ought to be in prayer. And I just want to start by making a comment about some bad attitudes or bad ways to pray. Um, Clearly, I think everyone would agree that it is bad to pray for bad things. So James chapter 4, verse 3, you ask and don't receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So if you're asking for the wrong thing, for something selfish, that is not good. And Dan, as we're on that point, I mean, this is a way we don't pray, so negative, but what would be an example of a selfish prayer that we should just not be praying Well, unfortunately, some have taken a perfectly good example of a great prayer completely out of context and made a prayer about their own personal prosperity. Of course, I'm speaking about the misuse of the prayer of Jabez. Now, I'm reading through the the scriptures as I seek to do every year, and I just happened in the last couple of days to read through that portion of Chronicles, where that tiny prayer is written. The book represents that God wants you to have more. All that you have to do is ask for it in the right way. This book about the prayer of Jabez that that is so popular. It's a book that says we have the power to restrain or unlock God's power and blessings. The author's approach to the Bible is to take a story he likes and then apply it directly to us, regardless of whether or not the account is, is an historic narrative or a normative principle for all people to emulate through all of time. Well, when it comes to enlarging our territories, that's one of the words in the prayer of Jabez, as the prayer goes, the author says, we are not talking simply about land, but any area of our life that we might want God to expand. His example, and this to me is an example of selfish prayer. If Jabez had worked on Wall Street, he might have prayed, Lord, increase the value of my investment portfolios. Mm -hmm. He wants to take the story of Jabez as part allegory and part moral lesson. Now, simply this, that God granted what he asked. Now, not not because Jabez used the right formula in prayer, not because he somehow manipulated God. God's not a genie to be conjured 
you know, out of a bottle and used for our personal ends, but rather God's sovereignty chose to be glorified through Jabez and answering his petition. The prayer of Jabez is not a mindless mantra that God always answers, chanted for self-advancement. Instead, it teaches us to seek God faithfully. When he alone is magnified, we will be truly blessed. Now, there's an example even in scriptures, again, of people who prayed out of duress. I think specifically of Hannah. Mm-hmm. Hannah, one of the wives of Elkanah, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, by the way, listeners, please be aware that we're going to be covering 1 Samuel chapter 1 through the end uh, in sermons coming up, so stay tuned for that. <laughs> anyway, so Hannah was very distressed about her rival who mocked her for not having a child, and so she prayed fervently that God would grant her a child. Now, was it selfish? Was it to ease her comfort, her own maternal desire to be a mom? Yeah, that, there was part of it. And yet part of it was also saying that if the Lord did grant her a child, that she would dedicate that child to the Lord. And that child, of course, is Samuel, for, for whom we're very thankful And I think that there's an example there that while some of our prayers are selfish, God is merciful Mm. and patient with us. That prayer of Jabez, I'm trying to remember it exactly, but he asked to expand his borders and keep him from all pain. Is that what he asked? Yes, yes. So you can understand why someone just reading the Bible comes to that and goes, I need to, and it says God did it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So who wants any pain, you know, so... It does seem like, wow, if he did that, then and so they make a whole book about it. Well, if you just ask with the right kind of asking, you're not going to have any pain. That would be ultimately a selfish prayer. And, and even when I think about, why didn't every other Bible character pray that? <laughs> they all had so much pain, you know? <laughs> well, I think it was because it was hidden in First Chronicles. Uh, the book hadn't been written yet, you know? <laughs> and it's just, but by the way, read... Read, read both First and Second Chronicles. There are so many gems in there. They're all written for our instruction. Read it, read it. So focusing on the right way to pray, which is an attitude of storming heaven, here we are focused first on the negative. So don't pray like that. Not that God didn't answer, I mean, God did answer Jabez's prayer, which is good, but to Dan's point, our selfish prayers usually are just, you know, make us rich and take away all our pain. So let's not make that the focus of our prayers. Another bad way to ask is actually when we're asking for good things, but we're doing it in a bad way. And it might surprise you in the Bible what one of the wrong ways to ask is. Obviously, don't be selfish, sure. But another way we're not supposed to ask for things is in a half-hearted way. This is what we find at the beginning of James 1, where he says, if someone's going, if someone needs wisdom, they should ask, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person must not suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So God obviously doesn't want us going out like the prosperity gospel and boldly declaring that God must give us all the things we selfishly want. But the Bible also warns us against asking in a half-hearted kind of a way. Uh, Dan, maybe help make that clearer for us. What would be an example of a half-hearted kind of prayer? Well, that was a great question. And when I saw that question, I immediately thought of a dear, older saint of a man praying in public, Lord, 
do something if you can. <laughs> so here was this older saint, a pillar of the community, a true benefactor to God's people, who was imploring the God of the universe who spoke all things into existence to act on his behalf. If only he could. So do we pray that way? Is is this an is this an undivided heart? Is are we praying to the one who is all powerful? Doesn't he raise the dead to life? Didn't Christ calm the sea and the waves and the wind? So to me that's that's a very concrete example of a half-hearted prayer. I believe someone had said that to Jesus during his earthly ministry, if you can. And his response was if you can, <laughs> with God, all things are possible, same as what you said. So we don't want to pray selfishly in terms of attitude, and we don't want to be praying half-heartedly. So then the question is, the point of this podcast, how should we pray? What attitude should we have when we pray? And we've called this podcast Storming Heaven. So the answer to that question is we ought to pray violently, and we will make all the caveats and provisos necessary, but we ought to pray violently. And I'm taking that from the verse in Matthew 11 that we started with, talking about taking heaven by storm. The focus in that verse is on gaining eternal life, but it does really apply to all spiritual matters, so kind of salvation in the broadest sense. And it's clear that Jesus in the Gospels welcomes really bold prayers. It's, it's like he invites it. It's what he wants from us is a sort of energy and prayer. Just one example that's confused many people, but here it is in, right from Jesus' lips. Mark eleven twenty four. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. Obviously been stolen by prosperity preachers, but we'll steal it right back. That belongs to us. That's something <laughs> Jesus said. And even if we have to understand it uh, by thinking really hard, I don't want to lose the attitude that Jesus is inviting, which is very bold, a very kind of a confidence. I mentioned earlier that Thomas Watson, the Puritan, wrote a treatise called Heaven Taken by Storm. And in that treatise, he's, he's focused on this very verse, and he talks about a holy violence, which is not a physical violence, that is not what we're advocating, a holy violence, and he says it includes three things, one, Think of this as you're praying. One, a resolution of will. Two, a vigor of affection. Three, a strength of endeavor. See why we had to have Dan on for this one? That's you, Dan, right there. This holy violence. So maybe, Dan, could you help us to understand what does it mean for us to be praying with this holy violence, this kind of boldness? And how do we do that as people who believe in the sovereignty of God and have to rest in the fact that sometimes he'll answer with a no? Well, I think that one of the verses that we always point to that's ingrained in our memory as people who love the fact that our Lord is sovereign, that there is nothing that happens that is outside of his control. The pinnacle verse that we all have memorized verses, Romans 8, Mm. 28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom 
he foreknew he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that we would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called, and these whom he called, he justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. Then, then listen to what's said next. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? So I'm absolutely convinced of the sovereignty of God and the ups and downs of life, the hurts, the disappointments, the joys, the pleasures. And so if he, in his mercy, is going to pull me out of the pit if he is going to take me as a brand plucked from the burning, if he can transfer me from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, if he can make me instead of a child of wrath, one of his children, then yes, he can freely give us all things at his discretion. Mm -hmm. And so I know this will come as a surprise, but I'm going to quote a couple of songs now. Come, my soul, thy suit prepare. Jesus loves to answer prayer. He himself has bid thee pray. Rise and ask without delay. Rise and ask without delay. And then my favorite line from that song. Thou art coming to a king. Large petitions with thee bring. For his grace and power are such. None can ever ask too much. None can ever ask too much. We are coming to a king. So we can And of course, you referred to the verse in Hebrews 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, again, the sacrifice is done. He's called us. He's made us his children. He passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. There it is. There's that that resolution of will. We're going to hold that fast, right? For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. There is an emotional content there. He is our Father, our Father delights to give us good things. And so we ask, Spurgeon said, if my child is sick, I'm going to do anything. Would I not therefore employ my heavenly Father to see me as his child to be pitied, right? So our high priest sympathizes with our weakness, but the one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin, And then the writer to the Hebrews says, therefore, because of these things, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Ye wretched sinners, come and lay your load at Jesus' feet and then plead what he has done. Come boldly to the throne of grace, the lost and blind and lame. Jehovah is the sinner's friend and ever was the same. He makes the dead to hear his voice. He makes the blind to see. The sinner lost, he came to save and set the prisoner free. Poor bankrupt souls who feel and know the hell of sin within, come boldly. Boldly, boldly to the throne of grace. The Lord will take you in. It's probably one of the great benefits of the hymns is that they do help move us from just data to, to feeling and energy and vigor. What did Watson say? Yeah. 
vigor of affection. Even the hymns are there to help us to pray. I mean, to pray in the way that we should. You know, as you're speaking, if I'm not looking to you as an example, you'd be one of the first I go to of this holy fervor. Uh, Spurgeon comes to mind, and I was thinking about him just the other day, actually, when it comes to prayer, because there was a time, if you've read his autobiography, where, you know, he had gout. Oh, yeah. Very miserable. Oh, my. Yeah. And there was one time where he was laid up with gout. It was excruciating pain in his joints. I mean, just unbearable. And he had it all the way to his death, so he wasn't healed of it per se. But there was one time where he was in excruciating pain, and he said he cried out to God. I think he had everyone leave the room. And he cried out to God and said, God, I would never put my own son through this kind of pain. And then the pain went away. Now, someone might write a prayer of Jabez book about that experience, unfortunately, (laughs) as if it's a template for all our prayers. But I thought of it the other day because I don't have gout, but I have a related autoimmune disorder. And just a few days ago, I was laid up in bed just with a lot of pain. And I thought about that and I thought, maybe I need to pray that. (laughs) Maybe that will fix the problem. Well, you know, in the past, you may have prayed that way. (laughs) but may God help us all now (laughs) to pray this way. Hey, we're not even done yet. We got a minute. Wait, we got a minute here. (laughs) I'm tempted to close though. That was such a good little conclusion there. I like that sketching on. But I did think that. I thought, you know, he prayed boldly. Yeah. But there were other times where he prayed boldly and received a no. But I think the thing that stands out is that overall, he had that attitude that you're speaking of where we're coming to a willing Savior, Mm -hmm. and there are times he's going to say no, but we should have the confidence that he can say yes, and that's what promotes this boldness in us. And so reading his prayers, which were, some of them were recorded, and Mm -hmm. there there are books that are available. The the book, The Valley of Vision. Yep. Read those prayers. Mm -hmm. When we begin to speak as a child, you know, our parents help us to learn how to speak. The disciples, hearing Jesus' prayers, said, Lord, teach us to pray. We can learn. We can learn to pray. And I hope that that is indeed all of our desire, that we would not pray always like children, but we would pray with the heart of a child, Mm -hmm. and we would learn and grow in how to speak with our Heavenly Father and how to praise Him and entreat him. Hmm. Well, you know, Dan, some people may not have thought that way in the past. <laughs> but may God help us all now to think this way. <laughs> <laughs>